Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling, and then we share their story with the universe. So I'm super excited to have with us today on our, what, two-month anniversary of being locked at home, shelter in place during the COVID-19 crisis. We're going to mix it up a little bit and bring you some joy into your life by introducing you to Melanie Kylie of T-Mobile. Melanie, thank you for being here. Hi, I am so excited to join today. I was so honored, Susan, that you asked me to do this, and um, I'm excited to be here today. You know, everybody has a story. I always say that, and it's true. And so rarely in life do we get to tell our story. And, you know, you don't have to be a celebrity or have had something, you know, remarkable happen to you or actually have cured cancer. Everyone has a super moving, meaningful story. So that is what we're excited to hear about when we interview our guests here on this show. So I'm so glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about you, Melanie. Sure. So um, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, lived in Roslindale until I was about 12 years old and then moved to a suburb of Massachusetts, uh, Norton, Mass. Uh, graduated from high school there and went on to uh, go to Brandeis University. I received a BA in psychology and legal studies at Brandeis. I also was a three-sport varsity athlete there. I played volleyball, basketball, softball, and just had really ex extraordinary experience there. Um, from Brandeis University, I went on to New England Law uh, to receive a JD. Um, I had always had aspirations to want to become an attorney. Uh, my, my parents both were, um, uh, I'm the first generation college uh, student and my parents always instilled financial independence in me. So I think that's really why I pursued a law degree. Um, after graduating from law school, I worked at a few general practice firms. I wasn't really sure what area of the law that I wanted to go into. So I um, joined one general practice firm that focused on everything. It was an ex exceptional opportunity for me to try different areas of the law to find out which I which areas I gravitated towards and ironically I gravitated towards um, transactional work so I got heavily involved in the real estate practice in that firm and went on to manage um, another real estate law office uh, which was another fantastic opportunity as a young lawyer to really get experience in leadership, experience in managing a P&L of an office. Um, we had to do our own marketing. I had to do the career development. We had to, um, uh, you know, make sure that the, the financial books were accurate. So it was a great opportunity to get this really broad experience of running a business. Um, real estate work ended up 
um, opening up an opportunity to join a telecom company. So uh, telecom, the telecom industry comprises of um, thousands and thousands of cell sites on real estate. So I was able to use my real estate legal background and transfer that into a telecom career. I joined American Tower Corporation, which is a wireless infrastructure company in Boston, Massachusetts. They have 180,000 uh, 180, wireless assets throughout the globe, really, in, in several countries. And it was a great opportunity for me to get training in what the telecom industry is and the wireless industry. And um, so I've been involved in wireless since 2005 and have been part of the evolution of wireless going from just cell phone coverage to broadband coverage to um, watching streaming Netflix on your phone and really having these mini computers in your pocket that do everything. It's been a, an exceptional journey. Um, from question before you go on. So yeah, you, I'm already jaw dropped. That's a lot. <laughs> um, you must have started when you were 12 because that's a lot of amazing work that you've done. Um, I wanted to comment really quickly about your being an athlete in three different sports. Um, overachiever much? <laughs> I was thinking, wow, she's done it all. She's a, a little bit of healthy competitiveness, I can tell. Um, definitely an overachiever. I love overachievers. Um, you, I, I think it's really a good balance when you do academics and athletics. So I just wanted to give a shout out there because there are a lot of young people who listen and I want them to value their time in sports and in arts as well. Um, so academics are very important. It should be your priority and your focus. But I think to incorporate athletics and arts into your uh, life with a balance, of course, is how you turn out to be a Melanie. And that's pretty damn amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that. Such such kind words, Susan. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I can't I can't say enough positive things about being a collegiate athlete. I, I have lifelong friends from that experience. Um, for me, I really love physical activity. So it's a way for me to decompress and de-stress even today. You know, I'm always going for runs or hikes or, you know, we were a very active family with my kids. Um, and at the time, I was um, 19 years old and I hadn't traveled much. I think I uh, went on an airplane once at that time. Um, we my mom and dad and my sister, we did the uh, Disney World trip when I was probably 12. But other than that, I haven't, I hadn't really flew. And it was so amazing to be able to fly to these um, amazing schools ac across the Midwest and the East Coast. We flew to U of Chicago. We went to, we played Emory. Emory. We played, um, we went to St. Louis. It was really an exceptional um uh, experience for me and and again it it teaches um, discipline we had practice you know if I played I played three sports so I pretty much was in the gym every day for four years um, and it, it was just a really a wonderful opportunity and in addition to that Brandeis is an excellent academic school and I am really proud of graduating with a degree from there you should be you absolutely should be I will say this, um, a big shout out to those who travel, uh, especially 
student athletes, you're, you're there for a cause and, and you're working hard on a mission and you're learning teamwork and skills on how to lead as well as play on the team together with others. But you're also, um, I think this kind of travel is very good for kids, especially those who, whose parents don't travel with them. It sounds like your parents didn't that much. But it gives you a global worldview, or at least a national worldview in your case, because you get to see how other people live and you don't just live in your bubble all of your days thinking this is how life is. You get to see other ways of living and, you know, you can, um, there's some curiosity that comes into play. And I, I think that helps to combat bias and that helps to uh, combat bigotry when you learn, you know, to appreciate the, the perspective of others. So I just wanted to say that too. That's, that's another thing I think college and high school athletics does for kids is give them that opportunity to learn about others. Exactly, exactly. Really opens up your mind to diverse perspectives, which is, is just good for society. It's good for the individual. It's good for the, the community. Well, tell us where you are now and what you're doing, because I know you're a rock star, but let's share with my network what a rock star you are. Thank you for that. So um, in 2009, I was recruited for a position out in the Pacific Northwest. I, at the time, it was funny, I was hiring for my team at American Tower and a, and a, re, a recruiting agency contacted me and I thought they were contacting me to fill a position I had posted. Um, and really what they were doing was contacting me to tell me about this excellent opportunity with a tech company out in the Pacific Northwest, out in the Seattle area. And at the time, um, I didn't really know much about Seattle except for uh, coffee and Nirvana. The, <laughs> the band and um but i was i was super excited for the opportunity so i went i went through the interview process i ended up getting the job to work for t-mobile at the time um t-mobile was the fourth wireless carrier uh in the country and they um were really focused on increasing the value of their tower portfolio so wireless towers have the wireless company that owns the tower they have their equipment on there but there's also opportunities to put other wireless carriers on there other satellite companies to gain a rental rental stream each month so um, I went out for that opportunity and helped that team really increase the valuation of the tower portfolio um, to over two billion dollars which ultimately led to uh, T-Mobile being able to sell the towers gaining more capital to then merge with Metro PCS, which really helped us um, optimize our RF spectrum uh, to increase bandwidth and wireless usage for our, our customers nationwide. Wow. So that those are two big companies coming together. I'm sure there's some unique um, opportunities, shall we say, sometimes challenges. Uh, that's amazing that you're a part of that. And I want to express to the listeners that it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Melanie, that these towers themselves are very valuable real estate to those who want to rent space on them and expand their services as well. Not just the land on which the towers sit, but the tower itself is extremely valuable. Is that what you were saying you were able to sell and convert to capital? Yes. Awesome. That's yep. Incredible. That is a huge deal, folks. That's a big deal. To even, you know, bravo to you for having um, 
been a part of that team and made that happen. And bravo to T-Mobile for giving you that seat at the table. We don't often see that, and that's our work. I know that you're very involved in DNI initiatives, um, you know, outside of and inside of your current uh, profession. And I think that we need to have more companies who lead like that and live like that. So, great, great, great. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, T-Mobile has had such a wonderful evolution. They've all, always been a very progressive company, but um, since about 2014, they've really started to put a lot of budget behind increasing their diversity, inclusion, and equity program. And it is it is in what what our our T-Mobile values. It's in our DNA. And they really uh, promote having employees bring their best selves to work and not to, not to fear coming to work and trying to hide themselves, whether they're um, some, you know, a single mom or somebody in the LGBTQ community or really whatever fear that uh, individual has, T-Mobile tries to create a culture where its employees and talent can put that fear to the side so they can really show their best work. And, um, and it's, it's incredible. It's been an incredible journey to be a part of that at T-Mobile. I love to hear people say that, and I'll be honest, I rarely do. So, um, and look, this is a great bumper sticker. DNI is in our DNA. I love that. You said that. Right. (laughs) You should coin that. (laughs) That's a T-Mobile brand, and and um, and yeah, it's it's just been an incredible opportunity. Um, to see employees get super excited at, at feeling supported from their leadership and know that the sky's the limit. Um, and, you know, that being said, there's obviously, it's a tech company, there's obviously embedded bias that you're navigating through day in and day out. Uh, but it was the first company that I've worked at where you really, where I really feel like I could have a voice to push back on, on that. And I, I thought that was incredibly powerful. You know, um, every company needs to create a safe space for people like you and me. I call us dissenters. Some people call us troublemakers. But we're really change agents. We are people who, um, you know, ask why. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. Um, Of course, you know, when change happens, people say, you know, we've done something this way for so many years. Whether it's worked or not, they lean on that. And we're the type of people to say, well, why have we done it that way? And is now the time to maybe change our way of doing things? And regardless of how uncomfortable change, change might be, is that journey worth it? And oftentimes, I know people like you and me, we say, yes, it is. It's worth the pain um, and it's worth the uncertainty to create that change where everyone feels included. It's a place of belonging. It's a place of um, Authentic, you can be your authentic self because I know a lot of people who have to fake it nine to five and it's how can you live like that? I mean, there's, you know, it's just not sustainable and you can't do your best work when you have to hide who you really are. So bravo to you and to T-Mobile for taking the, the tough steps and making the difficult choices to address the much needed change in our country when it comes to uh, inclusion. So just wanted to shout out there. You personally are so impressive in that regard. I know that you 
open your mouth and when something comes out, it's meaningful. And um, that's why you're on this show. So, <laughs> Let me ask you this. I have a question about your proudest professional accomplishment. Now, you may not have had it yet, but looking at your track record, you've probably had several. Would you like to speak a little bit about that? Yes, thank you for that. So I, I do have um, several. There's the the wireless industry is super interesting. So it's constantly changing and evolving. So there's always interesting work. Um, you know, putting the legal work and the tech work to the side, I would say my proudest accomplishment career-wise has been leading the Women's Leadership Network. It's um, an employee resource group at T-Mobile. And over the last four years, I, I first had um, the role as vice chair and then was appointed chair. And over four years, um, we increased our membership from 3,000 members to over 16,000 members, which is, which is over a 400% increase. Um, we focused on uh, a social media presence and increased our social media presence by 3,400%. Um, through Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, we also uh, were placed on Fortune's Best Place to Work in 2019. We were number 30, and that was up from number 63 wow. in, in 2018. So the team has done a remarkable job, and um, that by far has been the most rewarding career experience for me. I've had the ability to lead these amazing board um, members with the super talent across the entire uh, in, uh, enterprise. So we had um, board leaders from technology, from consumer markets, from HR, from finance, and it was just an um, awesome opportunity to cross collaborate with this amazing talent. I learned so much from the the women that I um, that were on the board, and then the members across the country. It was um, really such an inspirational experience. Do you believe um, that these efforts that you've made? Um, have helped to expand the customer base? I mean, I know I want to do business with companies that care about inclusivity. Yeah, I mean, I believe if a company is, um, it, it, you know, if inclusivity is part of their DNA, you're going to attract the top talent. You're going to attract more and more customers where your employee base looks like your customers, right? And um, And it's, it also uh, empowers women to speak up and and sh bring their best selves to work and really show off their talent and and navigate cultural bias. It, you you create a cohort of trusted community members that help each other navigate stuff. Like I'm feeling nervous. I have to go talk to my manager about this. Um, I want to negotiate this on my salary, you know, and it's it's just an awesome opportunity to get real feedback from people, from other women that have gone through the experience. I love hearing this. I want to ask you, what about the men there? Um, I, I hope that this doesn't happen, but so often in uh, especially larger companies, you hear, we just don't do it that way, or that's not how it's done here. I hope that you don't hear that there. I'm asking about from the men's perspective, what kind of feedback do you get or pushback, if any? 
You know, I think in general, the men want to be part of the change and they want to be part of the solution. I think it's a delicate balance where um, they also, they want to make sure that they're giving their female colleagues the space to have these personal discussions with one another and not come in and, and overtake the show. And then, um, but at the same, yeah, and at the same time, <laughs> You know, um, cultural bias and navigating um, these ingrained perceptions can be tricky. And people, I think at the end of the day, do have good intent. I think they're a little bit uncertain on how to be most effective and how to be most supportive. But the fact that they're curious about helping or contributing or being a part of the conversation, that's a huge plus. I mean, you're already way ahead of the curve there. Um, well, let me ask you, who has inspired you along the way? You know, I wanted to brag about one other um, um, career opportunity. Absolutely. So um, I, I originally came to T-Mobile focused on network engineering. So I was very focused on uh, our network coverage and, and deploying cell sites and DAS infrastructure, the dis distributed antenna facilities, which gives you in-building coverage at big venues and stuff. And um, over the last few years, I was uh, lucky enough and, and really grateful to be able to transfer over into uh, supporting commercial transactions and doing really big software enterprise SaaS um, cloud product deals. So I'm really getting the full gamut of understanding how network coverage translates into digitalization and automation um, Internet of Things and 5G. So it's it's been really amazing to get this broad swipe of uh, technology background at T-Mobile, and that's something I'm really proud of. Um, and and uh, it's it's in, it's created a lot of opportunity for me. That is so wonderful. I think that the breadth of things that you've learned um, is obviously beyond that which any student in law school would ever anticipate learning, even if they went into transactions and technology. It sounds like you have um, a law department there, a legal department there, that's more uh, aligned with the business than just legal, uh, if you know what I mean. So you're learning, you're living the mission, the vision, the strategy of T-Mobile. And I think that's amazing that you're so tightly woven into the fabric of what makes that company work. Um, so really, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's a, that's a very big accomplishment. It's something most people who, even when they end up in the um, legal department at large companies, don't always get that involved in such a broad way. Let me ask you again, who might have been your inspiration or maybe a mentor or did you get fortunate enough to have a sponsor? Yes, you know, I, um, I, uh, early in my career, in my 20s, in my early 30s, I really put my head down and try to focus solely on the work, right? Overachieve on the work, overachieve on the, on, on the work. And as I continued to mature in my career, I was like, okay, that was a big mistake. I need to overachieve on the work, but I also need to build my network. I need to build this community of um, people that are, are helping me navigate uh, career and career um, development 
challenges and really are my fans and can help me process uh, challenges that come my way and and we elevate each other. So, um, you know, I'd say over the last five or so years, I've gotten really focused on nurturing a network. And that would be something that I highly recommend any of the listeners out there is just to make sure that you're doing that network and community building right from the get-go of your career because it's it's really a two-way exchange you help them they help you it's very rewarding and fun too it's really nice to build these friendships um, um, so so definitely focus on that if you're, you're up and coming um, I've had several mentors so um, one of my biggest uh, people that I just adore is my mom. Um, and now that I'm a mom, like even more so I just, she, she was a, a teenage parent, um, was one of the, got into the semiconductor business as a technician and was, has really been a woman in tech since the eighties. And she has so much grit and, um, and then to be a, a young, you know, to my, my parents were young when they had my sister and I, and, now that I'm a parent to just understand what, how, how she had to navigate work, navigate, um, personal life. I'm just really out of adoration over her. She's fierce. She's fearless. Um, you know, she's never been, she's always spoken her truth, uh, which I align with. And she and my dad really dedicated their, um, their lives really to helping my sister and I get involved in extracurricular activities and like supporting our sports careers and our music careers and this, that, and the other thing. So I just, um, I just really respect and adore my mom. Um, another mentor that I have is uh, a woman that I work with. Um, she was an executive sponsor of the Women's Leadership Network. And when I first met her, she's a senior VP. Um, when I first met her, I asked her, I was like, hey, you know, can you tell me what you would tell your younger self 15 years ago? Yeah, 15 years ago. And she told me that she would, you know, speak her truth right away. Instead, I was, I was at a point in my career where um, I was kind of, I think I was navigating the likability penalty. I wasn't really sure what that was at the time. Yeah. But, um, you know, I had tried being, you know, when I'm myself, sometimes I would get feedback that I was too direct or abrasive. Um, and then I would try to be this nice, super nice person, but then you're seen as being too nice and not a leader. And I'm like, what the heck, how, you know, how am I supposed to act here? And, and, um, and, and uh, she gave me the great advice of just being myself, right? We're getting stuck in the double bind, uh, cultural gender bias issue and and just be yourself speak your truth and and that was very freeing for me at the time um so I always really appreciate her for that um so Melanie you might imagine that I have faced the same you and I are cut from the same cloth speaking <laughs> our truth <laughs> so you know I say you know be your highest and best self and know that you can't control others. Other people's opinions of you is none of your business. You just keep on doing the good that you do and do it as you do, you know, like do it in your way. Um, I have personally seen you in action. I think you're incredible. Uh, I, I, as you know, you and I both believe in lifting women up. Um, is there some advice you can give us maybe that 
you know, if you don't have a lot of resources or if it's not, you know, some big strategy or game plan or you don't have the big corporate budget, what is something we can just do maybe day to day to help other women in business? Yeah, I mean, I believe helping other women in business is critical if we're going to help push gender equity to where it needs to be. And some things that I've done is, you know, I give, I give a lot of my personal family business to women. So, so we'll have um, female doctors, um, female consultants, uh, you know, really try to help the business owners in our community. Um, in addition to that, Ha, uh, being in-house counsel at a corporation, we often are working with large law firms, and I'll typically ask one of the partners that we're working with to bring in a woman or other underrepresented talent so to work on a big deal so you can start to kind of groom them to understand your business, and that's another way that uh, you can easily uh, help um, women in business continue to um, get into places of influence and, and power. And, um, and then obviously just lifting each other up, doing some connections. We, we, we all have such a depth of a network. And if we're aligned on a mission and aligned on a vision, there's so much that we can get accomplished. So, um, Susan, you're excellent at this at far, far, as far as connecting like-minded people in your network to see how um, you can help one another and, and just to get to know each other um, also on a, a personal level. I, I love doing that. So if anything, if someone asked what's my superpower, I'd, I'd probably say I collect people, then I connect people. Um, but I think then I remove myself. I watch peripherally how this beautiful relationship ensues and all together we can really move the needle. So I thank you for saying that. I feel the same about you. I think that's how we met is we were both uh, living in service to the DNI cause and, um, you know, we came together and it's just been great getting to know you and to see a lot of what I like most about myself and my network, I see that in you too. So it's happening. We are moving the needle. Um, let me ask you, it's not always been easy. I know that because one, I'm a woman. All right. So it's already tough. But what has been a challenge or setback that you have overcome and how did you do so? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I had was returning to work. I had had two children. I'm, I'm part of a blended family, so I have four kids. Um, two are stepsons from my husband's previous marriage, and uh, two are our bio kids together. Um, and after I had my son and my daughter, they were very close. I had one in 2013 and one in 2015 just coming back and um, figuring out how to navigate all this. I mean, I don't even know what I was doing with my time before having children and now, uh, and then having a family and trying to juggle career advancement and juggle career ambition. It's extraordinarily difficult. And I have so much um, support, you know, I, there's, there's, 
I have economic means and I have a partner that's engaged. And then to just think that there's other women out there that may not have that support, it makes this really impossible. So I think that's another thing we have to really try to look out for those moms out there that are trying to make it work. Um, but that was a big challenge coming back to work and figuring out how to navigate it all. And, um, and I, I really dug into my network. Uh, there, I, I'm very close with a lot of women that have already done this and they were able to give me really excellent tips on navigating it. I have some kids with some special needs. So navigating like specialists and all of that while still trying to get your work done, all of that was really hard. And I think um, for me, emotionally and mentally, I just needed to know like it's going to pass. I need to just put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to get through this, this challenge with um, my, my son and I'm going to get through this deadline at work and trying not to let all of it, the um, deadlines and the challenges that all seem to happen at the same time, not let it overwhelm you. Uh, and then you'll you'll get through it. But I had a lot of self doubt when I first came back um, from maternity leave, and sure. and then overcoming that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I, like you mentioned, you had a lot of resources that many women don't. But I think I'm right in saying that you, uh, along with me, I know for me it's true. We are working on changing the operating system, not changing the woman. So. It's not like we need to teach women how to put those thoughts of family aside while you're at work or, you know, forget that you have a deadline in your personal life while you're working on a deadline in your professional life. Instead, what I am trying to do, and I think you are too, is let's change the operating system that is was created by and is still operated by uh, older white men over 50. So, um, you know, start to have women's voices represented and the communication of moms. And I don't mean just their words, but their lives, you know, the, the demands on their lives. Uh, so that, you know, so that we're not, oh, nine to five, we have to be at work, on work, thinking about work, hitting that deadline professionally and forgetting that our, you know, child is ill or you know so I, I don't believe in work family balance i believe in work family integration and when large companies start to understand the difference and honor that you know melanie might get her work done really well um in fewer hours of the day more days of the week or whatever fits her uh life schedule so that's the work that i'm trying to do is change the actual you know it's David and Goliath sometimes, but yep. you know, Goliath has a heart. <laughs> if we could just, exactly. if we could just get Goliath to see, you know, listen with empathy and not judgment and see what's happening to Melanie, the mom who still contributes beautifully at work and must now contribute um, more at home now that she has two children. You know, that's the kind of thing I'm focused on. And I love that you mentioned that because you do have a lot of, resources many women don't and one other thing i wanted to say i loved about what you said but didn't want to interrupt is you hire women i love that so i had one guest who one day talked about her dentist is a woman her doctor is a woman i never thought about that and here i am living this you know i hire them for professional uh services you know like for my work related stuff but i never thought about having 
female, you know, doctors, dentists, so forth and so on, uh, lawyers, you know, I just, that's shame on me, you know? Well, it's, I think we're learning every day. You don't realize what's embedded. And sometimes um, if your network, it, it's efficiency, right? If you're trying to juggle so many things, sometimes it's easier to go with whatever you already know or a lead from a friend or, or, or your husband. And it's, and just putting in that extra work though, I think is beneficial for the long term. And um, that's something we need to talk about the husband. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that because I'm one of those women. I feel I'm very much a partner to my husband. We get along beautifully. We're best friends, but I inadvertently, like we talked about prior to this call, um, I've relinquished all control over finances to him and so forth and so on. So where is the power? You know, I, I didn't even, we need to talk about that. I love this topic because I think as a, as a, um, as a culture, women are groomed to not dig into this and to, and, and, uh, and, and it, for me, at least I can tell you, I didn't get this until I, I, I got married to my husband in 2013, but I had a, a few other uh, long-term relationships before him where I, you know, it would create conflict. It would create conflict between me and a past partner where I would start digging into the finances. And those, those I didn't know at the time, but those are red flags. Um, I think that women and need to be in control of their own safety, financial well-being. Um, they need to be in control of their long-term strategy for uh uh, being healthy and well from a financials perspective. I'm not talking about like you need, you don't need to shoot to try to be multimillionaire, but um, statistics show that um, male um, husbands will pass away earlier than women. And, um, I, you know, there's the, the concern of divorces that happen. Yeah. Um, I've had friends whose um, husbands who've suddenly, passed away. It's absolutely essential that women know where the money is, how much is coming in and out. And it's not something that should be um, controversial to talk about, which was a big mistake I made earlier in life. I, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I'm in love. I don't want this to damage yeah, the yeah. love. And the reality, <laughs> the reality is like, if you love someone, you want them to know in the in and out of everything you want you guys want to gel together and and be happy together and be safe and well together and if someone is if if the your partner is not into that that is a dominance issue you know i've had i've had situations where i've had financial abuse happening and um, none of it is okay. And, and as when I open up about my experience, I find out that there's, there's so many, a very high percentage of other women are going through a similar thing. And, um, even, even those of us who are happily married, you made me think of a lot of things I never thought about before. I trust my husband totally, but why shouldn't I know exactly what's being spent on what, where, how much we have in savings, that sort of thing. Um, he's very good with money, far better with math. I know that's a stigma or a, maybe a stereotype that women, um, we put on women, uh, but I personally am not good at math. So I have 
volunteered and relinquished and, you know, been my own, the victim of my own poor choice, even though he's terrific, um, I'm sure that, you know, I need to know these things. I need to be more aware. Um, I shouldn't have to, and I've never had to ask permission for anything. I mean, but there are budgetary restraints. I mean, you can't just go willy nilly, but you're making me think if I were more aware and more involved in the process, um, I would be more empowered. Right. And I, I think it's, it's definitely going to be different for everybody. Um, what, and it, and when I was, again, when I was younger, I would always hear, well, it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. But if I, if culture is telling me one thing and I've had these relationships that are displaying this, then I don't realize that there's a whole other subset of women out there that are like, I'm in charge of the wallet. <laughs> I'm in charge yeah. of the finances. <laughs> you know, I want to know what's happening. And I just, even if it's a joint effort, as long as there's openness about discussing it and women are feeling um, empowered to put away their own 401k, you know, there's if you think about it systemic, the pay gap is a systemic cultural problem. So men are more often than not are primarily making more money than the woman. So you have to break down, I recommend breaking down the um, household payments into percentages based on what the woman makes versus what the, the male makes. And then um, also the stay-at-home moms, like yeah. They, they need to be using the male's funds to save for 401ks and um, to put away. I love their, that. Yeah. They're doing substantial work. I mean, being, I know. being a working mom, I know going into work is a lot easier than staying at home um, and bet. trying to, trying to be the stay at home mom all day. That's, that's a tough thing. Have you seen Vox uh, explained? It's a document, a series of documentaries the VOX, Vox Explained, I think it's on Netflix, but there's one on um, the pay gap and it's super powerful. I mean, it's really, I think I'll email it to you after the show, um, but definitely speaks to what you're talking about. Um, I personally, you know, I think you're right. We don't have a choice. It is culturally embedded. It's you know, you grow up, do, it's a vertically structured belief. We talk about that a lot. It's something we, we have never even questioned because, uh, you know, somebody in authority whom we trust planted the seed long ago. We never thought we needed to question it. Um, so I love that you brought that up. Where is the power for women? You know, um, where does it lie? And it's much more than we think, right? It's much more than we get credit for, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, um, let me ask you this. I always ask this question to tell me something surprising about yourself, but then I have a wild card question after that. So tell us something surprising about you. Sure. So this is a fun one for me. So um, I am, uh, an, I love mountaineering. So I've climbed some of the biggest mountains in the Pacific Northwest of um, summited Mount Rainier, which is over 14,000 wow. feet, Mount Baker, Mount Baker, Mount St. Helens, Mount Adams. And my husband and I also did um, Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, 
the beauty of the mountains is just amazing. And then there's, I think there's something that feeds that competitiveness in me to try to summit one of these beasts because it, you know, it's, they're typically multi-day trips and, um, and it's hard and it's beautiful and it's breathtaking and it's just so rewarding once you're on there and it's once you're at the top and, the funny thing, my dad, I, when I was talking to my dad about this, he's like, so you spend two days climbing to the top and then you just turn around and come back down. The gift that you see from the top, right? The, the right. gift is the, the view from the top and the sense of accomplishment. I can tell you I've never had that, but um, I actually have another friend in Seattle who is the director of client services at a law firm there, large law firm. She too is like you in the um, Conquer These Mountains. And I want to tell you about her only because one, you two should meet, but two, she has the most beautiful Instagram page I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, she, she uh, memorializes all of her and her young daughter. She's a daughter who's like, I don't know, 19 or 20, um, who's hiked the Pacific Coast Trail by herself. Wow. Yeah. And they conquer mountains all over the world. And you two would have so much in common and so much to talk about. Um, I think I'll introduce you once the show is over. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, she's very cool. She enjoys coffee and wine. So if a, co a coffee talk or a wine time, either way. Let me ask you the wild card question. Now I'm pulling from a box of questions that I have. Okay. What do you think the most important thing to do? Uh, what, what is the most important thing to do to keep a relationship strong? Um, I think the most important thing to keep a relationship are you talking about a relationship with your with your partner or a friendship or both well i think for the purpose of this show you can pick anything because we talk about family we talk about workplace yeah um, you know so you choose well i think i think um i can i'll name both and they're both there it's the same for both is just um to make sure you take that time to connect with one another. Life can get very busy, uh, especially right now with COVID um, and, and so many women playing, wearing three different hats, but you still need to take that time to really connect with your friend that you haven't talked to in a long time or your spouse that maybe the day-to-day -day grind has caused you I know for my husband and I, we have to be intentional about setting time aside where we can just not talk about the kids and the responsibilities and work, but we can try to enjoy one another. Um, and I, I think that's really important. And, and again, it can be like we try to do once a week. Um, um, and if, if you don't do that, it's really easy, at least for me, to get lost in the to-do list, right? Every day we I wake agree. up with 30 things to do and, and then the next day starts, this starts over again. So, you know, that's, and that's a I, very powerful answer because as, as you talk, of course, I'm going to relate it to my own life and think about how does that impact me? My husband and I are the same as what you said. We can get, we love our work. So that's one thing. We love our work. And if we're not conscious about putting that aside, stopping and connecting with each other, we just, live at the same address, you know, so we make an effort 
to um, stop working and say, hey, how are you? Who are you? Introduce yourself, you know? Um, we, we recently bought a hot tub so that we could do that, but I get it. <laughs> Congratulations. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, it is. It's like the baby announcement. I mean, we finally got a hot tub. <laughs> how wonderful is that, though? I know. Look, we look. We have a tiny backyard, but plenty of room for a hot tub. And I enjoy, like, enjoy yeah, every second. We will, we will. And you're so awesome. I can't wait to um, get to Seattle when we can, when we can do that safely, or you know, whatever that might look like on the other side of whatever this is that we're going through. Um, I just wanted to say how remarkable I think you are, and how delightful I know you are, and that it's been my pleasure to have you on the show. Susan, you are amazing. I, you know, we've known each other for a short period of time. And in that short period of time, I'm just so impressed at your commitment of helping women rise and bringing talented women together. You are a real change maker. And it's such a privilege to know you and such an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you. If people want to reach you, Melanie, how can they do that? Sure. Um, so you can reach me. I have a Twitter handle. It's Kylie Melanie. And um, I also can be reached at my um, email address. Should I give that now or? Yes. Would that and I'll also put it in the blog that I write about you, but feel free. Go ahead. Give it now. Sure. It's, it's Melanie.Kylie at T-Mobile.com. Again, Melanie.Kylie at T-Mobile.com. Awesome. You're awesome. I can't wait to share you with my network and hopefully um, get to meet you in person soon. Agreed. Can't wait for that. All right, everybody. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye, Melanie. Bye-bye.